everybody. Welcome to another edition of Where You From with Sarah Benincasa, the podcast where we explore origin stories, geographic and otherwise. My guest today is Esther Seng, who is just really neat, a neat gal. I liked her instinctively from the Twitters, which as a homebody who works largely from home or from hotel rooms around this great nation and sometimes the world, is often how I end up meeting new people, which may sound pathetic or may sound relatable uh, or may sound neutral to you. I don't know. But I've been fortunate in that I've gotten to meet a lot of really interesting people through these interwebs and then make friends with them in real life. I kind of think of it as an old-fashioned epistolary Victorian relationship at first. One might less pretentiously call it having a fucking pen pal. But um, she's great. She's at E-S-T-A-R-L-A, E-S-T-A-R-L-A on Twitter and on Instagram, and she has written for Vice Munchies and for Food and Wine and for Eater and for all sorts of prestigious publications. And she started out as a cocktail blogger back in the day. But actually, that's not true. She really started out as a violinist who caught a four-year full ride to the University of Wisconsin at Madison but didn't go because she had other ideas about what she wanted to do with her future. And I think that's really brave. So she came out here to California to go to school. And she is from New Berlin, Wisconsin. Not New Berlin. We'll get into it. New Berlin. And I think you're really going to like her. Um, thank you so much to producer Heather for audio help with this episode. Heather has worked on many, many Marvel TV productions, as well as other TV productions and film productions, and she helped record this interview. Not this part. I'm recording the intros and outros myself, but she did a lovely job on the uh, podcast itself, and Guy, our editor, who's super helpful. Thank you, Guy. And thank you most of all to all of you. Patreon.com slash Sarah Ben and Casa is where you can become a patron of the show for as little as a dollar a month. And there are different freebies and goodies and opportunities that you can get depending on the level at which you contribute. It enables me to pay people like Heather and like Guy and to have snacks and drinks for people like Esther. And it keeps the lights on. So I absolutely really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Sarah Ben and Casa. And yeah, I mean, let's get ready to get to know Esther. She's really cool and her writing is beautiful. So I hope you'll dig the interview and then I hope you will seek out her writing afterwards. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Where Are You From? I'm Sarah Benincasa. With me today is food writer extraordinaire Esther Sang. Hello. Hello. Do you think that that's a good description of you, food writer extraordinaire? Yes, as long as somebody else is saying it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're saying it, it, it's like, come on. Yeah. When did you start writing about food? Like, what, like mm -hmm. you know, did, was there a moment where you were writing about lots of different things as a journalist or as a critic, and then um, you just noticed, like, the money was in food? <laughs> yeah, all the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every food writer is very wealthy. Exactly, exactly. I actually came in from the internet side, so I started blogging. Uh, first, and it was very navel gazing. What was the blog called? Um, it was actually still called East RLA. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you know, it could be anything. But you know, I started out writing about happy hours, and then you know, I started writing about dinners and food and dining out, and not just happy hours. So, 
did you when when you studied like where did you go for undergraduate uh ucla okay and so when you were there did you have any is that when the blog started it's not it's actually so i okay it's a lie i did not start at east star la i started at zanga Zenga, wait, was Zenga like, was that like, um, oh gosh, because I didn't get into blogging until much later in the game, right. even though I was of blogging age, like I'm 38. Mm-hmm. So I grew mm-hmm. up, you know, in large part on the internet from like relatively early in my adolescence, but I didn't, yeah. I was not on bulletin boards. I was not right. on blogs. So like, mm-hmm. was Zenga like one of those sites? It was, it was like a, um, a community and all my college friends and I, we all had a blog in order to stay in touch. So that's how we stayed in touch and we just blogged about nothing. Like I went to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like early, it was early social media, really. Exactly. MySpace. Yeah. That sort of era. Just like, here's what I'm doing right now. Exactly. And you care because you know me. (laughs) Did you know you grew up in New Berlin, Wisconsin? Mm -hmm. I did. And I looked up, we were talking about this off air, I looked up the 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 town and in the wikipedia entry for new berlin wisconsin it was very clear that you should put the emphasis on the first syllable absolutely new berlin not new berlin and you had some background about that which i thought was interesting about like sort of post-world war ii stuff right because you know um well i i was born in 79 so you're growing up in the 80s there's kind of this world war ii shame about Mm -hmm. it you know um a lot of i grew up a lot of people who had german polish you know in them and uh, a lot of you know scandinavian blood so i think that's just their way of separating themselves a little bit from Germany like we're different this is this is new Berlin (laughs) exactly this is not Berlin um when when you were growing up there was there uh, a lot of like um let's see I'm looking at by the way right now the estimated population according to 2017 (laughs) by the way 2017 estimates wow is 39,740 people so almost 40,000 people it's the 16th largest city in Wisconsin Mm -hmm. and it remains situated on the eastern border of Waukesha or Waukesha uh Waukesha County Waukesha County exactly interstate 94 is located immediately north of the city they haven't moved it and interstate 43 (laughs) Yes. passes through it mm-hmm. um and new berlin was named by sydney evans founder sydney evans mm-hmm. for his hometown of new berlin new york <laughs> oh new york <laughs> yeah they named well that was i guess he named it yeah and then I, but i think new Ber- i've heard new of new berlin new york and it i've always heard it pronounced new berlin right so i think that like you're correct and that they were like this is different yeah new berlin thank you very much <laughs> was it did it feel like a big town when you were there it's well i was brought home from the hospital to the same house i left to go to college oh, wow. so um it was the only thing i knew um it's it didn't seem big because i had traveled while i was a kid so at least i had that sort of reference you know I traveled internationally as well oh where did you guys go as a family yeah as a family um my dad was a medical researcher so he would speak at a symposium so i'd been to europe a few times california a lot um so yeah i had that perspective at least so it it didn't feel so small when i was there but when i traveled then i realized where where it was so you had an understanding that there was a big wide world out there. Yeah. Thankfully. Did you want to escape your small town? Yes. <laughs> yes. Let me think yes. about that. Let me think about that. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What, I mean, can you remember what you used to do 
sort of for fun when you were growing up? I would hide mm. in my room and read. And that's <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I would. I liked My Little Ponies. I didn't like dolls. I liked, liked stuffed animals. Um, and I actually played music. Oh, really? What did you play? Um, piano and violin. Did I you mean, like look it? At me. <laughs> <laughs> You're stunning. Right. You look like a pianist. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it, it was, I was good at it. So that's the way that I found it to be fun. But uh, in the end, I didn't want to practice enough. <laughs> was the was that a source of friction with your parents because when a child mm-hmm. displays um a apti- unusual aptitude or ability or, or perhaps if not unusual at least they they seem to excel mm-hmm. which everyone does not obviously right. I, I, and it's something that might be able to get you into college like parents get pissed yes. off when you don't want to do it anymore no it's true and actually i i i earned um a four-year scholarship to University of Wisconsin-Madison on violin. Oh my god, you were really, yeah. really good. <laughs> right. And then, but I got like, I applied all these impossible schools that were out of state that I didn't think I would get into, but I got into UCLA. So when I got the letter from UCLA, I was like, well, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> and so you knew that obviously that was probably going to cost more money than going to Definitely. school in Madison. Exactly. But it was a good enough school that my parents were willing to pay for it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So your dad was a medical researcher, did you say? Yes. And, and what did mom do? Mom, she was um, first in real estate and then in financial planning. And how many kids in the family? Three older brothers and then me. Oh, my. You were the tiny baby and the I only was. girl. And the youngest by nine years. Whoa, that's a surprise. Yes. Hello, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> they were like, a girl? Yes. They must have been so confused by what to do at first. Like, we have a daughter. Or were they thrilled? That's what they wanted. Really? It just took them so long to figure that out and try again after the third (laughs) my third brother was supposed to be the girl and they were like hmm let's think about this and then they got the girl were like do you think that you know I I mean I'm the oldest of two and Mm. a lot of people say I know that I have friends who are parents they say this but also a lot of people who are children uh, the youngest child in a family of like say more than two will say this that by the time the parent gets to kid number three or four or beyond they're just like ugh. They're tired, so they're, like, yeah. more lenient. Do your older brothers say that your parents were more lenient? I know from their perspective, they definitely think they were. Mm-hmm. But I think since I was a girl, it was it was hard because um, it was a whole new game. I don't think there are any – I think they were, like, put more pressure on me, actually, you know, in different ways. So – you know, it's one of those like, uh, mom, I'm not an extension of you. <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. Right. I could be a Do whole you? other podcast series exactly. that we could talk about. Exactly. You're like, no, okay, I have my own personality. It's fine. Exactly. It's pretty great. Yes. And <laughs> I'm nothing like you. And you're like, I'm different. I'm going to go. Do, do you still remember like the first day that you got to UCLA? Do you remember that? I remember freshman orientation um, and figuring – I. I saw Titanic. What? In Westwood. You did? <laughs> the most important movie of our generation? Exactly. And it continued to play there for probably however many years. But <laughs> So you saw it like during freshman orientation? I did. I did. How, was that your first time seeing it? Yeah. Did your loins time. feel moved by this waterlogged <laughs> tale of true love? I have to say, I mean, 
if I were a revisionist, I would say like, ah, it's too cool for it. But no, I really fell into it. I really loved it. I <laughs> cried. I used to listen yes. to that Celine Dion music and Same. that soundtrack, that like Irish soundtrack, the Irish and flute yes. soundtrack. The flute. Yes. yes. I was like, this is so beautiful. Exactly. I love it. This is what true love is. Exactly. And I always think it's really funny. I don't know if she still has it pinned, but for a while, <laughs> Roxanne Gay has had a tweet pinned mm-hmm. that's like, there was enough room on that damn door. I'm going to bed from like 2015 or something. <laughs> thing where she's exactly. rewatching it and it's like what <laughs> he could have fit on the door and and kate winslet was on she was on stephen colbert's show mm-hmm. and they like reenacted the whole thing oh, and he asked questions i think about the door like there wasn't oh, there so room funny. on the door there was totally room i mean well, this is wild to me because coming from you're you're going from i mean i know you had traveled and everything but going from mm-hmm. new berlin and then getting yes. to what I'm assuming, just given my vague knowledge of Wisco demographics, was yes. probably a pretty fucking white town. Yes. Like going to suddenly Los Angeles, which is a much more diverse city. Yes. And UCLA, like I don't know the kind of demographic breakdown of UCLA, but it seems to me that it's a reasonably <laughs> diverse school as they go. Right. That must have been a huge change. It was a huge huge change. Um, the way I sum it up, it was kind of like when I was in Wisconsin, I wasn't white enough. And then when I got to UCLA, I wasn't Asian enough. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So you were kind of, I was just talking to uh, Heather Fink, producer Heather, who's here today. Nice. Heather Fink on the, on in her episode, kind of talking about walking in, what, the experience of walking in different worlds mm-hmm. and not quite being, in her case, not quite being Jewish enough for some Jewish kids and not being quite Christian enough for some Christian kids. Right. And so for you, was it, was it strictly ethnic? Did it also break down along religious lines as well? Like you mm. weren't quite Christian enough or quite fill in the blank right. enough? Well, I basically, I had, a, I had enough of overbearing right wing um, Christian churches growing up. Mm-hmm. So I kind of gave um, going to church a break when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I tried a few churches here and there, but I was just like, this just is, uh, this reminds me too much of what I was trying to run away from. So yep. I'm going to take a break. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I found a, a church later that I like and I'm still with. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, it's called Mosaic. I've heard of Mosaic. Yes. I've heard very positive things about Mosaic. It is great. This, you're the second person who has mentioned Mosaic nice. to me in the past month. Amazing. I should probably go. You should come. Is it? In I want to say where is it? There are multiple. So the there is a Pasadena location. And oh, the, cool. the main campus is Hollywood. So on this side of town, those would be the two. Yeah, campuses. Gosh, who was I talking to? Who was talking about how great it is and how much? Yeah. I don't even remember, but it's very it's super like popular and it is very much I think geared towards like artists, right? And very much, that's very cool. creativity centered, and you know and promoting and stuff like that yeah that's awesome mm-hmm. i mean i will see if they have some aa meetings i can attend nice. maybe yes. there will be artisanal donuts yeah that I'm artisanal donut, with. donut I've, friend i have yet to encounter <laughs> oh my god donut friend if i can find a meeting in la right. that serves donut friend <laughs> i will do 90 meetings in 90 days exactly. I'll do 90 you donuts do a map I'm... of meetings exactly. around donut friends they'll be like i don't I feel like maybe you're replacing one addiction with another. And I'll be like, shut up. As sugar. I have like oh, sugar as they, they have their like, <laughs> by the way, if, for those of you who've never been to Donut Friend, which is presumably most of the people listening to this podcast, I highly recommend it. It's one of those voodoo donuts kind of places mm-hmm. where you go and you're like, holy fuck. And when I go to Donut Friend, 
I'm always amazed. They have, they have, I mean, they have a really good s'mores donut. They have a bunch of donuts mm-hmm. named after different like rock songs and yes. stuff. And uh-huh. it's very cool. Yeah. Have you been on the donut beat? Like has that been part of your, have you had to do that as an assignment ever? You know, I love donuts, but I have to say if I were to pick between savory tooth and sweet tooth, I am overwhelmingly a savory tooth person. So your option is like you get to go to Bestia and not get dessert (laughs) or you get to go to Donut Friend and never have protein again. And in both cases, you have an equally good time in theory in terms of like cost and stuff. Like let's imagine a world where Donut Friend costs the same as Bestia. (laughs) You would go with Bestia though. You like the savory. That's funny. Yes. But then Bestia has dessert. They do, but you're not allowed. You're not allowed <laughs> well, to not order allowed. it. I okay. forgot that part. <laughs> I, okay. Oh, okay. In that condition, sure, I would take. I would take Bestia probably. Bestia is a place where I will take myself on occasion. I like to go on a solo date sometimes, and I will take nice. myself out and just write or read. Awesome. And there are some restaurants where that. Most restaurants are down with that. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, you'll have one where the clientele is confused, and Bestia people are pretty chill because it gets very loud in there right and so they're mostly like pretty fine with it. i mean the staff is great with it either way usually if you're in a decent right. place but um definitely there's a couple times at bestia where i just like had like a two top in a corner and was just reading or writing or something awesome. and where people have looked over like like customers very confused like what a, <laughs> a woman alone right what and then if you go to places <laughs> where people do that all the time it's fine yeah. Do you dine end up dining alone a lot as part of research or do you end up going with friends just like, oh, hey, I got to review this place. Let's go. Or, hey, I want to write about this particular dish. Let's go. Sometimes I'll have a beat where it is one menu item across many different places. So in that case, yeah, I'll, I'll go alone. And that's actually really convenient. Um and I like going alone in order to get away from other people yes. while being surrounded by people I don't I have like to talk that too. to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice kind of, I think of it as, sometimes it helps me as a writer. It's this kind mm-hmm. of friendly background noise and I can dip in and dip out and totally. kind of be on the, be on the sidelines doing my own thing and not bother anybody and right. not get bothered. You know, it's nice. Exactly. Or coordinate with somebody when to meet and then wait for them or something. You mm-hmm. know, I love it. So um, other than that, for other research purposes, Sometimes I need people to come with me because we need to be ordering a lot of things that I can't eat by myself. So. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I was watching, I love the, I think it was a 2017 documentary about Jonathan Gold, City of Gold, mm, which I yes. love. And well done. it's so, so, so good and such a nice love letter to mm-hmm. this city um, as well as to him personally. Yeah. I'm so glad. I, yeah, and I have the soundtrack. Uh, speaking of that, that yeah. and the Titanic soundtrack, two faves. <laughs> I actually bought the soundtrack because I just love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh That's the dream. He will yeah. come down from food critic heaven and be like, what are you doing? Um, but I think that the part that I like is he, he's gotten a lot of questions as have a lot of, I always pronounce her last name incorrectly is it ruth reichel 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 Reichel, something like that yeah reichel i feel Mm -hmm. like they when i see them and other food writers Mm -hmm. queried about their career a lot of times the question is do you wear disguises right have you ever had to do that so now i'm asking it to you (laughs) have you ever been like oh i don't this person's cousin is gonna know that i've been writing for you know whatever like the times or weekly or something lately so i gotta wear a baseball hat right then they won't know i know i wish i wish i had that important (laughs) 
<laughs> I see it coming and I feel like this is why I brought you here today is to talk about well, your disguise future. Well, thank you. You're I'm welcome. ready for my ascent. But um I I guess I I just know so many people in the industry already and um I'm not I've never been like an official critic, you know, for mm. a paper of record. And that's when that would come in. They'd have the fake credit card with a different name on it and stuff like that. That's but, so cool. Yeah, I know. We'll see. It'll happen. My fingers right now. <laughs> It'll totally happen, right? If, if you want, but if you want that though, because I exactly. think the also the landscape of the of food and food writing, it seems to me, has really changed the industry. It's changed because you have the rise of the mm-hmm. the rise of the online star, the online chef star, and the Instagram yes. chef star, and mm-hmm. people. A lot of so many home cooks who are yes. responding to the popularity of food cooking food shows and i feel like one piece that gets missed sometimes when Mm -hmm. we're talking about food shows people go wow food shows are so popular why it's well they're fucking cheap to make they're (laughs) non-union like it's really easy to make like you can make a gordon ramsay show for probably less than you could like Mm -hmm. some other things and i i i kind of like date it back almost to the writer's strike years in like 2007 or something with right. all the reality that came out of that mm-hmm. i'm sorry i'm just babbling right now <laughs> no that makes sense i, but I think that. about it a lot mm-hmm. and i think about how that changed how that changed the landscape of of television absolutely and oh, have you ever wanted to do like have you done on camera stuff do you want to do on camera stuff i've actually i've been in a mind of a chef episode with ludo oh cool so he there was an episode where ludo lefebvre um uh, he does petit toit and he has this other mexican french restaurant called Trois familia i used to go to Trois familia <laughs> yeah. when i lived in silver lake like pretty frequently I oh love wow yeah. amazing but i think that that's pretty cool you went regularly yeah i mean by regularly i mean once a month <laughs> but i that really is, liked it that's regular for me too yeah. so um, but he did an episode on his pop-up called Little Bites. Mm-hmm. And so that's when my blog was starting to gain popularity. And actually, uh, we would just go to Little Bites and the menu would change all the time. So we would go home after dinner and just post our photos and our descriptions and stuff because everybody wanted to know what was on the menu next because it's always changing. Oh, cool. And it was too fast moving for any of the the papers to keep up with so that's when the blogs and the pop-up dinners really kind of like converged together in that time and space of food journalism they I made guess. a marriage which is like yes. sort of the mid-2000s maybe yeah yeah that's about right mid-2000 late 2000s stuff like that yeah i think there's a portion i'm listening to quest loves mm-hmm. um uh book about creativity called creative quest and there's a portion where he calls a chef and it's great get the audiobook if you can because the the hardcover is great but the audiobook is awesome because it's Mm -hmm. he produces it like an album and it and it is there are guest stars who pop in guest voices and they're cool like there's cool like staging and it's just really neat and there's he calls a chef and is like hey this is amir how do i pronounce your last name and it's written in the story mm-hmm. but then he actually calls while he's recording the audiobook and i think he calls ludo i think he calls to okay. ask how to say his last name oh. <laughs> and I, I think Questlove talks about how he was doing these kind of sunday salons or sunday dinners all where he would invite a few different chefs and yeah. have them do something around a theme like home or mm. or what have you um i what are some of the most creative or unusual meals that you've been to and maybe it's a pop-up maybe it's a yeah 
a weird private event mm-hmm. like the new yorker did um i didn't know about this neil gaiman told me about this the new yorker mm-hmm. not the new yorker wait yeah the new yorker did a story about this uh-huh. maybe this year or last year this like pop-up bar and uh-huh. club inside a water tower wow i hadn't heard about it but then no, i looked i, I was reading that. it it was cool but you that know those cool. sort of like totally. illegal squats like have you exactly. been to something like that yeah i've been to a lot of pop-ups um and i was just actually at a pop-up this past weekend and um i think Lu- what ludo was doing um at his pop-up was definitely unusual i would say as far as like time and place i had once dined in the four seasons kitchen whoa where um saddam hussein's designated indian chef he was pakistani um <laughs> cooked us dinner and we ate inside the kitchen whoa yeah and it blew my mind what indian food could be and it, and when <laughs> so when saddam was like i really want indian food find this pakistani gentleman <laughs> right or no he was just there he just like he had multiple chefs i think on his roster so whatever whoa. food he wanted is like this was the chef for that oh kind of food God. yeah so wow and then he was like was this before or after he was working for saddam <laughs> this was after <laughs> he like, got out he got, he got out, out. <laughs> he got out of the cooking for saddam game he and did. was like now i'm at the four seasons <laughs> we exactly wow mm-hmm. um have you ever had eaten in a, a a place that felt kind of precarious like a warehouse that maybe wasn't up to code or a strange boat or something like that there's definitely been um i've had a a bit at a weed dinner that oh, was in a that? warehouse somewhere in somewhere uh, downtown, the south part of downtown somewhere. It was good. I mean, I got really high. Could you tell the food <laughs> had, had cannabis in it? Yes. Because it is a distinctive smell. It, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the first person to make that observation. But it, it, yeah, like, did it overwhelm the food at all? Well, it's kind of hard to tell when people are also smoking what is, <laughs> what is what. But I mean, yeah, uh, you could you could smell a little bit, but it's not. It's very very faint and it's very subtle. So is it a lot of when? Because I got invited to a weed dinner and didn't go, but it's mm-hmm. um, not out of some like horrific horrified objection. I just didn't go. Yeah. But, um, it is it a lot of like like I I have a friend who's got a weed butter guy in a yeah. state where weed is not legal, but she's mm-hmm. got a weed butter guy and she'll make a weed butter turkey wow. and do like a weed Thanksgiving. Is it is it that they incorporate it through like infused butter or something? Yeah, they kind of extract the oils into the butter through some sort of machine and they put it in their cooking, but then you can't heat it up too much and you know. I'm actually not a cook, so I'm just, I just oh, made so that you're up. Not, you're not, <laughs> I was just like, I believe all of this. Are, right. Do you do home cooking? You know, I love cooking, but since I don't have enough meals to prepare for myself and I live alone and mm-hmm. ingredients to use over time, you know, they just go bad. So my cooking skills are pretty, pretty rusty. So you end up eating at, at restaurants and pop-ups and stuff all the time, which yeah, is Yeah, awesome. at least four nights a week. And I have like leftovers for lunch from wherever I've eaten the night before. Does it ever become not fun anymore? Does it become, does it start to feel like work? There's a danger. There's definitely a danger. Um, 
I, so my secret is, is I have a nine to five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, I do too. Real artists have day jobs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. We all awesome. do. Yeah. Yes. So it's kind of like if I were writing, you know, three pieces a day, five pieces a day and, you know, God bless, you know, Eater and Matt and Farley who do have to do that because, you know, that's not what I have to do. But Eater.com, I, ladies and gentlemen, Eater.com. check it out. It's a wonderful site. Yeah. Fast and Furious News. Um, and so if I had to do that, I don't know if I would still love it as much. But um, uh, then I now I get to write, like I get to work on a piece for a few days, you know, and stuff like that. So it keeps the passion alive. I love that aspect of freelance writing because mm-hmm. um, I have a, a pretty, you know, steady day job in nonprofit digital marketing, right. which I I did not think I would love and that I love, which is weird. Awesome. I'm like, I get very excited running subject line tests for emails to find out which subject lines garner the most opens. Like this is how dorky I have gotten in my old age. I get very excited about it. Yeah. Hire your girl. She's available. Yeah. But, um, but then it actually, it makes my, I find that it makes my freelance Mm -hmm. career. Cause I was freelance for years. Like I was at Sirius XM for a couple of years. And then I guess from, 2010 to early 2017 I was freelance doing comedy and writing and actually like some marketing stuff and different things anything I could get books and I just got so tired of fighting for Mm -hmm. my paychecks that I was like I need something steady and I wanted to kind of shift into a slower quieter lifestyle so I found the job that I have now very fortunately and I feel very lucky to be there but what I like about it is that even though I'm paying down debt and Mm -hmm. things like this Mm -hmm. um it, it means that I have this paycheck and I'm not, I mean, I recently had to get, you know, I recently had a paycheck that was three months late. That's not uncommon yeah. when you're a freelancer, it's not uncommon. but because I have my steady job, yes. I wasn't having a panic attack. Like I would have been a few years ago because it's, yeah. it's, you know how it is. It sucks when you have to fight to get people to pay you for exactly. work you did that they said they liked. Exactly. You have a baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I find that to be very refreshing, and I have to believe that that probably um, it helps keep some joy in experiencing Seriously. food. Yes, exactly. When if you were to go on a date, let's say, okay, is it hard for you to turn off your food writer brain <laughs> for and focus on like getting to know the person? I actually prefer it. I think because during the day. Um, even if I'm not writing, um, keeping up, keeping up with food news on say eater.com or, you know, food and wine, whatever. Um, what are your favorite sites, by the way, just to interrupt oh, for people who have not, um, right. who want to like learn more, maybe they've seen food TV shows or they're just curious. Right. Definitely eater food and wine, um, uh, timeout. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, timeout in your city mm-hmm. of choice. We'll have some good coverage. Definitely. Um, we don't have Grub Street in LA anymore. But, oh, we um, don't. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Yeah, I know. I did one of their food diaries for um, New York a few years ago. Years ago now. Yeah. And I, it was a lot. I was going through a really hardcore ginger ale phase. I think the headline right. is like Sarah Benincasa drinks a lot of ginger ale, oh, and they did a photo awesome. shoot with me at Bubby's in Tribeca, yeah. which was fun. Oh, that's cool. Shout out to Bubby's Tribeca, you enchanting little <laughs> scamps. <laughs> But yeah, Grub Street, man. I mean, read it. Read Grub Street, even if it's not in LA. Read it wherever. Yeah. Um, I'm Lucky Peach doesn't exist anymore, right? Unfortunately, R.I.P. That no. was an amazing, R.I.P. Amazing... Yeah, and LA Times is like coming up now. They're 
fully staffed. I'm so excited for them. I geeked out when they announced all their new their new food writers. It's so great. Yeah. And like the New York Times, I guess you could read if you wanted I, to. If you really want to. Did you read that? I freaked the fuck out. That really funny April Fool's 2019 article that yes. LA Times did. Masterpiece, Lucas Peterson. <laughs> Lucas Peter. I tweeted at Lucas. I was like, I love you. Yes. I love everything about this. Because my only superpower is enthusiasm. Yes. I have a lot of it. And no. I just lost my shit. I was like everybody read this i love the italicized bagel pe- <laughs> italicized pizza and just like the style and the tone was on can you explain what it what what it is it's very much worth a read if you are someone who has read maybe too many restaurant reviews or food writing that treat a town full of humans <laughs> who like to eat such as for example detroit as some exotic destination yes so can you like break down a little bit what what he did in that piece so what he did was he took um every single new york times piece that was about la and all the cliches they use in order to cover our city and reverse them and turn them around on new york <laughs> and, the, and the cliches, too, that I think they use sometimes when they go to some, you know, rural village or something. Right. They're like, ooh, these people eat food. Isn't it wild? Yeah. What's that? A fork? No, it's a yes. fork. Like, or like, they don't all have plastic surgery. And I saw someone eating bread. Yeah. <laughs> it's so different and refreshing. Exactly. I read it and lost my shit. It was so it good. It also, like, I think it also spoke to the kind of not always subtle undercurrent of white supremacy and certain absolutely which if you if you're somebody who's listening and you associate the term white supremacist with like just the kkk i understand Mm -hmm. that that sounds jarring but when i'm using that term in this case what i mean is the idea that like the that white is right that i think Mm -hmm. a lot of us myself included as a white person have probably like absorbed over time like this is the standard this is what beauty Mm -hmm. is this is what taste is and it just so happens that the people who designed it are white a white man maybe Mm -hmm. a white woman and so a lot of it talks about food (laughs) it talks about food that's like sort of standard issue quote-unquote white people food in this like oh it's so different so exotic they described a pizza as a layuda which is a oaxacan you know, uh, uh, bread, and then they put like with tomato sauce on it, <laughs> or with uh, I forgot how they described cheese, but it was they different. So fucked up and great, and it was it was so fucking good. I was so delighted by it, and also like I think part of the joy. I think there's different ways to laugh, right? There's a laugh yeah. of there's the laughter of horror. There's the laughter of recognition, and there's also the laughter of self recognition, where you recognize something that you have said or thought. And you see it being lampooned and you start to laugh at yourself like, oh, man, mm-hmm. that was pretty dumb. Not in a not in a like, oh, I feel so bad way. But in yeah. a like, oh, yeah, man, sometimes I, I've said some fucking idiotic yeah. shit, too. And I kind of having in the limited amount of food writing I've done, very limited. I kind of read that and was like, recognize some shit and was just yeah. like rolling like this is so dumb. Like right. So many people I know, probably myself included, have done shit like this. Like, oh, no, it's so, have, yeah. so wild. It's so different. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. Exactly. Have you have you been? been to um i've only been once not i didn't get nominated I, my boyfriend at the time did but um uh-huh. you went to the james beard awards for like writing i actually haven't um they give you all this free food is mostly my thing about awesome. that got me excited that's awesome you got a lot of free food and i was drinking at the time and it was like an open yeah. bar yeah 
I think we're going to eventually first of all you're going to get nominated (laughs) and you'll have to go but also like you know so many people that you'll be someone's date too so it'll be like one year a nom one year a date one year a nom one year a date you'll just like alternate yeah and it's one of the most exciting um like examples of getting to eat free food yeah it's awesome (laughs) I imagine that it will be when I get there. Because yes. they do that shit. That one's in New York. And then I think Chicago is where they do the fancy awards. Exactly. What do you think about awards for food writing? Is that a thing that should exist? I mean, it obviously, like, Jonathan Gold won the Pulitzer. Yeah. Well-deserved. So yeah. I'm not saying it shouldn't. But, like, does it yeah. feel does it feel weird or too insular? Or, like, how do you feel? Tell me your thoughts. There's definitely a New York media. Because, um, you know, a lot of food media and, I guess, most media for magazines and stuff is based in New York. So, um, and with New York having, you know, been the pinnacle of what we're saying before of, of food and this um, Eurocentrism kind of being the center, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, the focus of everything. Um, it has been skewed, but I think it's it's moving our way. So I'm kind of encouraged, you know, because there's so many things, in, you know, happening here and we have so much more, uh, so much writing talent that kind of, moved over here as well and we have great native writing talent too so um there's just so much to cover and i think um people's perceptions of what is appetizing and people are getting more adventurous that that is all changing right now like like right now so it's really exciting to see so um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun i think i think we're still moving in that direction where you know, we're seeing different communities being covered and different neighborhoods and all these different um, restaurants that are mom and pops that weren't getting covered before that suddenly getting a ton of attention. I love that stuff. So, yeah. Was there any food when you were growing up in New Berlin that you really loved? And it's okay if the answer <laughs> is Pizza Hut because I loved combos and Man. I still do. <laughs> I love Pizza Hut for the pa- the Miss Pac-Man machine. Oh. And you were like, for your, your undercover feminist reasons, you were like, Ms. Pac-Man, thank Ms. you. Pac-Man. You got that at Domino's. Exactly. And then you need to go to the dollar theater afterwards because I was right in the same parking lot. But um, That sounds like a sexy middle school date. Like no, it is. Nobody wanted to be my boyfriend right. in middle school, but if they had, I would have done that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's affordable as a, as a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if I really had, because it's funny, my mom would cook like some Taiwanese food and then she would put like two links of bravest on the, the table really <laughs> she yeah. went wisconsin it up totally and did you do did you ever go to fish fries on Fridays? yeah um we went to fish fries sometimes we weren't catholic but I'll, i had you know i went with friends and their families and stuff oh like that. and and fish fries happen um i just realized not everyone has been to a fish fry um i've only been there by the grace of having a, a best friend from childhood who nice. had moved from wisconsin to new jersey Ooh. and has moved back she lives outside uh, she lives in like mequon or brown deer now or something like outside oh, brown deer yeah Amazing. brown deer i think um do you know gareth reynolds no i don't think i do so gareth uh i think he's the what is his is the co-host of the the dollop i think is the mm. name of his with dave anthony i think that's their podcast okay i hope i'm not fucking it up i'm gonna look it up right now i knew i was gonna end up looking things yeah. up i always do so i think gareth is from brown deer and now oh, i'm just amazing. remembering that a friend was like you need to ask gareth about brown deer anyway i'm just brown learning deer. a lot right now about um, wisconsin about wisconsin but okay so so during lent uh catholics are not supposed to eat meat on fridays some catholics right. don't eat meat at all 
Yeah, the dollop. Um, the dollop. And uh, a different podcast that, you know what? You could subscribe to that too, but you should definitely subscribe to Where You're From if you're listening. <laughs> Lots yes, of interesting people here, much like Esther. Hi. Hi. But yeah, so that's like why there are fish fries. Yes. But also there, it's just delicious. It's like Lake it Perch delicious. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like you never get perch over here. Mm-hmm. You know, some freshwater fish. Cheese curds, your thoughts? I love cheese curds. Is there, my friend says it, they have to squeak when they're frozen or something. What's the deal with the so, f- squeaking noise? The squeaking only happens the first three days after these curds are made. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I've known my best friend Gretchen since we were 10. Yeah. So that's 28 years. And I didn't know there was a squeak time limit. Yes. There's a time limit. And it's only the first three days. And actually, you're not supposed to refrigerate them. Okay. Because they stop squeaking the moment you start refrigerating them. So the squeak um, sound is made when the outer enzymes, you'll kind of see the curd, right? It's kind of shiny, mm-hmm. maybe like a whitish film on the outside. So there's a real chemical reason for the there squeak. There is. That's, those, that's like a film of enzymes. What? So the squeak is the sound of the enzymes mixing with the innards of the curd. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> Producer Heather, did you love that description? I know you're in, you're not on mic, but we'll probably pick you up. It'll probably pick up. Here's a crazy thing. I just ordered cuz I saw them <gasps> the Amazon fresh cheese curds off of like the delivery for the first time and you have them did. in the fridge right now, but I made the mistake of refrigerating them. Go go fish them out. Go I fish got them out. Squeaks. Oh my wait, they've got they they didn't squeak. Or did you, you can, try? I see what you mean. They do have this sheen. I could imagine right. the squeaking, but I haven't right. experienced it. So, yeah. So, you're only supposed oh, to refrigerate them that's after so three weird. days. Yeah. That's really weird also, Heather, that my instinct, because I'm Heather's like sort of over my shoulder. I wasn't looking at her face. Yeah. I just sensed emotionally that I needed to incorporate you into the cheese curd discussion, and I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. That's psychic. That, and she ordered them. And she, she was like, oh, I have them. them. Like, what? Did you, no, do you always have the deep fried cheese curds? Is that the deal? Like, what's, so those don't squeak, obviously. Yeah, that's because I've had them at the DQ. Yeah, DQ, Culver's, shit. Like that's mm. the fast food curd, you know, uh, administration. A lesser curd, <laughs> yeah, but it'll do if you. Need but it'll one. do. It'll do. I like it on poutine as well, but which makes it kind of Canadian, not so much Wisconsin, but yeah, but I enjoy. When you were in high school, did you, I, I think of Wisconsin as such a beer place. True. Uh, for various reasons, it, it, it has you're been right. known to promote itself that way. You're right. You're very right. Guess what? I've heard that in Wisconsin, <laughs> exactly, they drink beer. Did you, were you like a drinking man lady? <laughs> a drinking I man wasn't. lady. I wasn't. I, I wasn't either. actually I drank like it. and threw up. I mean, I left when I was 18 too, so, okay. you know, I didn't. You weren't an illegal youth. Right, exactly. So it, what was the cool thing? Do you remember what the cool thing to do in your high school mm. was? Well, when we did drink, it would be like Barles and James mm. or Zima. Zima. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Mike's Hard Lemonade was, I think they still make it. They still right? make that. Zima, RIP, maybe Zima, gone forever. Did it come back or did it not? I heard that they were going to like revive the Zima right. for the millennials. And then right. I don't know if it happened. Yeah, I'm not sure if that materialized. Like so many Gen X plans, it may exactly. not have materialized. This is a great idea to rehash. Yeah. Let's try it. <laughs> Let's see it. Oh, it's not working? <laughs> All right, that's fine. Exactly. So when you got to, were you ever homesick? 
when you were in at UCLA? Because even if you don't love your hometown or even like it that much, I think it is natural to feel like a fish out of water at school at first yeah. sometimes. I was not homesick, but I think the thing I missed the most was the hospitality of the people. Kind of like when you're in Target or um, Pick and Save, which is the grocery store there. You know, you smiled at people mm-hmm. and you said hi. You made eye contact. You made eye contact. You recognized, like, um, I actually went to a game at Lambeau Field this, like, yeah, last fall, and um, you bump into people, and they say, sorry, excuse me, are you okay? It's amazing, (laughs) and and that there is kind of a Canadian aspect, in a sense, to, that's one, another cultural similarity, besides the enjoyment of cheese, is that, (laughs) is people apologizing, and sort of, like, trying to make it comfortable already, immediately, I used to say that, the I loved Midwestern girl resting bitch face because it was just a giant smile with like <laughs> frozen eyes. That's accurate. Which I felt was very accurate. And I would do that joke whenever I was uh, doing a gig in the Midwest, like anywhere in the Midwest yes. and warming up. Um, usually yes. that would kill pretty, that would do well just because it was true, I guess. Like it's totally I think true. We're, all, we're all socialized differently in different parts of the country, but mm-hmm. what? What is supposed to be? I mean, I remember I have so one of my my dearest friends, Catherine, grew up in New Orleans, and she was really sad one day on the train in Boston, and she was mm. crying because uh, she found out a family member was ill, and she's like, "Why didn't anybody come and ask me if I was okay?" And I was like, "Well, because I think in their cold culture, they were trying to show you respect. They were actually doing a kindness by not embarrassing you. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the South and in some parts of the Midwest, I think people would talk to you because yes. that's the social code. Exactly. And in LA, I feel like people would be like I have been there let me tell you about my day I'm holding space for you let me tell you about my day right okay back to me yeah get okay, back to me and you're like thanks I guess that's cool. how are you okay back to me okay this is great well so LA has been your home now for 20 years or yeah. so do you feel like this is where you're from now if somebody goes where are you from yeah I say LA um if I'm traveling elsewhere um, I also say LA most of the time when I'm here, but you know, if you know you're amongst transplants and you kind of like, then you have that conversation too. Yeah. So, you know, Where, it depends on from, the from whence did you come? Right. From whence did you run off? From whence? <laughs> yeah. Do you, is there any scenario in which you could see yourself moving back willingly? Not no. mom or dad are ill or family's ill or there's an emergency. No, nothing like that. Just willingly. I don't know. Uh, somebody wants you to be a partner in a restaurant and they're going to give you a million bucks. Like how much money would it take? Oh, man. That's, this is the question, huh? Yeah. I'm really coming up with creative shit here. It would have to be a lot of money. I think it would have to be over... Over five million dollars. Wow! So you really mean it. This is that you mean it. Yeah, that's right. you mean it. You're not just like, oh, it would be inconvenient. Like, no. no, right? No. And it's 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 not that there aren't some good things back there. No. It's just that it's not for you anymore. It's not for me. And I, you know, I will totally disclose that I say this as a as a woman of color. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's different. I mean, it's a red state now, and it's more segregated than ever. And it's you know. Like the mayor of New Berlin, you know, 
approved like low income housing and then his house got tagged. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like some shitty little white kids. Yeah. Probably. Right. <laughs> right. Little monster children. That's exactly. fucked up. Yeah. Well, you, you and you grew up there that were your parents immigrants? Yes, my parents were the immigrants. And they were from Taiwan. They're from Taiwan. So you grew up the a woman of color, a little mm-hmm. girl of color and the child of immigrants, which is mm-hmm. sort of like do you do you think it was for the things that you probably heard then, do you think it's worse now or do you think it was worse then? Can you compare it? You know, um, it's hard to say and um, and it's hard to gauge because I haven't been back yeah. for such a long time. So I can't really speak to it or even speak on a few days worth of experience. But um, I just see what's, I mean, like Paul Ryan and Scott Walker yeah. and Sheriff Clark just all are from there. And, and um, you know, like even like having... I, I had a family visit me once and then like the kid, you know, he was still in high school and he talked, you know, the way they talk about Milwaukee is a lot of they and like those people and the ghetto. And they were like, so they were, they grew up in the same suburb. They grew up in New Berlin, you know what I mean? But that's probably how I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I used to talk like that too, you know? Those urban types. Yes, yeah. exactly. And they don't view Milwaukee as part of Wisconsin. They, like, actually just totally cut it off. And... That's funny because I was about to say, uh, before we got on this track, I was about to say, Milwaukee's pretty cool. <laughs> See? <laughs> That's where I would cool. go. Yeah, no, know? I would too. My and friend, like, you know, my best friend lives there. I got to go visit her yeah. and her kids. I have and her someone husband. to visit Milwaukee too. Though, we which, should go yeah. and, and go to the Bronze Fawns and yes. go, and there's like, <laughs> go kick it with some weirdo artists who can like actually afford <laughs> exactly. to live there. And yes. yeah, there's some cool, and they also, Milwaukee also has so many different ethnic festivals mm-hmm. throughout the year. Yeah. That were celebrating mom, different immigrant groups. It's cool. My mom used to chair the Asian Moon Festival. She did? On the Summer Fest Grounds. That's yeah. a big deal. It is. Now yeah. I'm like, I'm talking to a celebrity. Oh, my mom's an organizer. That's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. Well, where can people read more of your work and get mm-hmm. to know you better from a respectful internet distance? Right. <laughs> well, um, I do have a blog. It's called estarla.com. And then that is also my Instagram handle and my Twitter handle. So... Um, I should be updating with links on my blog the different pieces that I've written, so I'll be doing that soon. And um, but yeah, uh, LA Times, Eater, um, Food and Wine. And where are your favorite places? Oh, this is a huge question, I but know. where are some of your favorite places? If somebody's visiting Los Angeles or lives in Los Angeles, where are some places that you like to buy food? Whether you are eating it there in the restaurant or it's a market or something that you Ooh. think people might enjoy. Does not have to be just like a restaurant. It could be a farmer's market you really dig. Mm. Well, the Hollywood Farmer's Market on Saturday, or sorry, Sunday, that's always fun because you kind of like, you get, all, it's all really interactive, you know, and you get to interact with the farmers and see fresh produce. And it is a little bit like a, um, a casting couch too. So you run into somebody and it's really lively. I like going there for for my produce and goods. When you say casting out, do you mean that you make out with people there? Yeah. 
You're like, you want a job? You want a good review? Um, I'll make out with you. That'll be, I, I'm going to start doing that actually. <laughs> that's a good start. It'll be I'm a gonna... real reckoning for LA exactly. food once that scandal emerges right. and they realize we planned it on this podcast. Exactly. Be like, that restaurant's getting that... really great press from Esther. Why? Why is that girl making out? Oh my God, it's Esther. <laughs> <laughs> Esther, what are you doing? Oh, that's, that's how you will get, that's how you get to the James Beard Award. Exactly. Just like this making is, out yeah. with people. Take me. Just go for it. <laughs> And w- what about like um, if somebody wants something that's like, fan- let's say somebody's got lots of money to burn. Mm. Oh, like a fan. Okay. I'm always like, go to Providence. Go to, and yeah. have their like $8 zillion tasting menu. <laughs> Definitely. Providence is up there. I got somebody a $300 gift certificate once to Providence and I think wow. it covered. Yeah. I was like big ball and trying, to save, a, trying to save a relish. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, we can date, and if it's going south, I'll try to save it, and we'll both we'll both try to save it with codependent issues. And I (laughs) tried to save it codependently by being like, "Here's this," and it was like, you know, of course we, you know, with tip and everything else, it definitely ended up being in the six hundreds. Yeah, so he for sure paid for a lot of it, and I was like, "Ooh, you're like, here's my half." I was like, "Sorry," (laughs) but Providence is great. It's great. It It doesn't have to cost that much, but it will cost a lot. Exactly. Um, you can go to, um, I love Bavel actually, Ooh, I've never which been is there. Bestia, those people, um, their second restaurant. Bavel? Mm-hmm. They're, I think they're Israeli, I want to say. They're not Italian. The folks. They're me- Mediterra- Mediterranean. They're Mediterranean. Yeah. Go to Bavel. Bavel. That sounds awesome. Okay. Yeah, it's I'm going to go there. It's so good. And, um, you can... You can go to Major Domo, which is a David Chang restaurant, and order the um, APL short rib, <laughs> and that that alone is like one hundred ninety bucks. Had Adam Perry <laughs> Lang is that yes. his name, and he has his own steakhouse now, right? He does, and so that's also a great place to blow a lot of money. I love a food, a food gossip. I love yes. being like, "What's your deal?" I also sometimes if I'm in a city like randomly I won't have talked to him we're not like close or anything I really yeah. I like Carl Hess we're not like close buddies or anything but I'll be I in a Carl, random yeah. city and I'll, yeah I know you do and I'll and I'll just like like send him a message I'll be like hey I'm in like East Oki Finoki like in Shitsville <laughs> where should I eat and he'll be like bing bang boom bang bang yep and he's I just perfect. come he just busts it all out and you're like thank you yeah he's a recommendation he me, machine he told me where to eat in Salt Lake City Oh, my God. Do you think he, Carl Hess just has tons of people texting him all the time being like, I'm Basically. in East Vancouver's Chinga <laughs> district. And he's like, oh, well, then you must see my friend here. Exactly. Everyone. It I, seems like it. He probably I, he, knows more than I do. He knows a guy. Like, I like I like a friend Always. who knows a guy. And he some people know mm-hmm. a guy who can do your car and fix right. it. And Carl's like, go to this thing. Yeah. Um, also, I'm going to. Do you have any recommendations, by the way? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to Atlanta this summer to just because I have friends who are on set. So I was like, I'm going to do an Atlanta swing so that I can see some of my friends who are like making stuff there. Awesome. Um, do you have restaurants that you know or like or like whatever in Atlanta? I'm just my using knowledge this point. in Atlanta is zero, unfortunately, but I hear it's awesome. I support Southern Foodways Alliance, which is nice. awesome. So I'm going to see. I'm going to comb through nice. their stuff and learn more. Awesome. Um, Esther, you're great. This was super fun. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And everybody, uh, have a great day. Go eat something delicious. Yum, yum. (laughs) What a delightful woman she is. A, A, America. 
Get to know Esther at E-Star LA on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Sarah J. Benincasa in both of those places. I do not have a Facebook. Some lady tried to claim to me that we had Facebook friends in common. And I was like, ma'am, I'm not on Facebook. So if you're friends with a fake me, which happens sometimes, uh, that's a fake me. And if not, you're bananas and lying. The internet is fun. Anyway, have a wonderful week. I'm looking forward to bringing you more chats of this nature. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa. Thank you so much, you friggin' rock. I'm going to go think up more questions to ask human beings. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Take good care, guys. Bye-bye.